0: chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 is what will be today and probably next week as well. Um, last week what we talked about was delighting in God's will. And there, we exposed three different truths there. But before we got to that, we established the fact that God's will is revealed in two different ways. It's revealed through his word. God speaks to our hearts through the truth of the word of God. What we have in our hands, this is how we can come to know how to live our lives. God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through what? Do you remember what that was? Through the knowledge of him. How do we gain knowledge of him? We, revealed, we read in his revealed word how he has revealed himself to us through his word. We do that by the renewing of our minds. Remember Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. You know, we, are not, we are called not to be conformed to this world but to be transformed by what? The renewing of our minds, okay? Your mind, what you know, the knowledge that you can possess from the Word of God will be transformational to your heart. So how does heart transformation happen? It starts by renewing of your mind, getting the junk out, putting good stuff in. And the good stuff is from the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind um, that you may do what? You remember? Remember? that you may be able to prove or discern what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So if we're struggling with what God's will is, we need to, one, get in his word, okay, So so he can reveal his purpose for us in our lives, because all things pertaining to life and godliness come through the knowledge of him, and we get to know him better by spending more time with him in his word, so by the renewing of our minds, that's how God can reveal his will. Also through the, the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can give us you know, those warm and fuzzies, those, talk, those, those tugs, those convictions that, that, uh, that he does by dwelling inside us. And then they will always be able to be reconciled by scripture. So by the Holy Spirit's leadership as well as God's word, we are fully equipped to discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the question of what God's will is for our lives should not be an issue of, 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 of not knowing where to find it. It's found in God's word and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, in, what we talked about last week was delighting in God's will. Okay, Do you delight in his will? Does that bring you the pleasure and the joy above anything and all things about life? Do you delight in God's will? And last week we went through three different truths that exposed three different lies about the Christian way of life that could rob you of your delight in God's will if you believe the lies, if you are influenced by the lies that are out there. Do y'all remember what the first one was? What was the first one? God's will does not equal what? No pain, yeah? The Christian way of life is not a pain-free life that has no hardships, okay? That's not what the Christian way of life is. Remember, Jesus promised even the exact opposite. If you follow him, you're gonna face persecution. The, the life of a Christian goes against the current of this world, so you will encounter resistance. Now, that's not all that the Christian life is. It's not all doom and gloom. There's quite a bit of joy. There's a lot of joy. There's endless joy that is supplied to us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. But if you have the misconception that if you become a Christian, that all of your problems are going to go away, and if you follow Jesus, you will have no hardships, then that misconception will, will bring you to a point where you just have no delight because you're expecting a life with no hardships, but yet you follow Jesus and you find out it's the exact opposite. So therefore, your delight will be gone, but it's based on what? A wrong idea of what the Christian way of life is. It's not a life. We don't come to Jesus Christ to have all of our problems in this world taken away. No, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin and and to be granted eternal life. Our perfect life is not here. Our perfect life is in the next. What was the next one? Y'all remember? Is that pain equals gain, okay? Is that that most of the time, actually, if not, no, all of the time, whenever we're going through suffering and hardships, I believe that in every single case that God can bring about good. Okay, even though we may be suffering because of the evil behavior of someone else, even in that, we may, we may be able to look at, look at this look at this. world and say, I don't see how any good can come about this. I believe that God can work all things together for his good. He can bring that about in any given situation. God is that sovereign. God is that powerful. And he knows just that much that he can bring about good out of any situation, but it's to those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. We don't, we don't, and, and if we don't believe that, see, if we don't believe um, the lie that is being exposed to us, that there's no good that can come out of this. Don't listen to that. Stay the track, stay the course. Follow Christ, He can bring about good. And most of the time, the suffering that we go through strengthens us for another event that was coming in the future. It will strengthen our character. It'll make us stronger Christians. It gives us the ability to minister and and to help those who are going through the same issue in the future. God can bring about good, okay? Remember the last one was what? The best life is not this life, all right? Your best life is not this life. If you're trying to live your best life now, your best life is the next life. Now, how do you live your best life now? You live your best life now with the life in eternity as your priority. You live your best life now by storing treasures up in eternity, which means oftentimes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of of things in this world that we don't get to pursue. We pursue Christ first above all things, and therefore, when we do that, that is living your best life now. It's keeping eternity in mind, keeping the future in mind in mind and not just the things of this world because remember the rich man that we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Luke chapter 12 that, um, that he worked for this life and he was able to store up everything and he had riches beyond, beyond imagine and he was like now it's time for me to sit back and coast and retire and the Lord came and said you are a fool you have worked your entire life for this life only and now I'm going to require this, your soul of you and now who's all this stuff going to go to? To live for this life alone is foolish, and the best life is not this life. We live a life that looks to the future in eternity with Christ. Now, going through all of that, what we're going to be looking at today is that when God does reveal His will to us, okay, when He does reveal His will, when it's made clear through Scripture and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, when it's made clear to us, we are to follow through. When it's revealed to us, it is our duty and our responsibility to God to perform that which he has led, to do what he has called us to do. It's about follow through. We should be brave enough. We should be bold enough. We should be disciplined enough to follow through. In just about every sport that that you study or that you see, there's always an aspect of what? Follow through, right? Whenever you're pitching a baseball, do you, see the, do you see the pitcher stop mid-throw mid, mid throw after he releases the ball? He follows through, right? What about golfing? Mark, what about golfing? Hey, you don't just stop the swing as soon as you hit the ball. No, the club head goes back and around. I mean, you've got to follow through. Even billiards, if you want to get the English and the spin on the ball, guess what has to happen? <laughs> you've got to follow through. What about ping pong to get the spin that you want? Or tennis? It requires follow through. Now what, but now, what, now, what about whenever it comes to God's will and the Christian way of life? What does it require? Follow through, right? You've got, you've got to carry it out from the point. You've t- let's just say you've gone through the hard study of God's word, and God has revealed to you all things that pertain to life and godliness, and you know the life that you should be living. You can have the knowledge. You can, pertain, you can, you can obtain the knowledge that, that God has revealed about himself and about the way of life, but if you don't follow through with action and behavior, you're stopping at the ball. You're not following through. So God's will is, is more about following through. No, it's, it's, it's not just knowledge alone, but it is follow through. And that's what we're going to be talking about today and probably for the, for the next week. But something else we do need to understand is that when it comes to follow through, following through with God's will, that's what living by faith is. Okay, we talked about this as well, in a, in a series, you know, several months ago, about in our pleasing God series that we did, you know, living by faith is simply following God's will. Living by faith is based on what we do know. Living by faith is living a life based on what we do know for certain, and it's not based on what we don't know. The Christian, the Christian um, mindset too often is. Is that whatever God's will is going to be, then it's just going to happen? I'm going to walk through life blindly, and everything's just going to fall into place. You will not find that anywhere in Scripture. That is not living by faith. Living by faith is, is based on what you do know. And what do you do? What do you? What are you? What are we supposed to know? What God's will is? And has God clearly revealed His will to us? That's the question. Has He clearly spoken? That's the question. And have we followed through with what He has commanded? That is what living by faith is. But too often, do we as Christians make our decisions based on what we do not know as opposed to what we do know? We read the Word of God and we see that God has called us to do certain things, to live a certain way, in certain circumstances, behave in certain manners, and we read this, and we do know that what, that, what, that what is there is true, but we fail to step through and follow through in obedience to it. Why? Because we don't know what's going to happen. Because whenever God calls us to, 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 um, to ministry, He calls us to do something, it requires a sacrifice, it requires a cost, it brings us to a point of pain, and we just are uncertain about the future. And the things of, the things of which we are uncertain is we're, we're fearful of the unknown, we're uncertain about the future, and therefore because of what we don't know, we don't follow through. That's a very weak way to live the Christian life. Though you may not know what it's going to, it's going to bring ahead, but, we may, but, we do, but what we do is we live our life based on what we do know. We do know that God is good, that God loves us. We know that God has a purpose for us, that God has spoken to us through his word. We do know that we have a will and a purpose in this life, and we know that we are supposed to follow that instruction that he has given us. Those are the things that we know, and we have the ability to do that. So therefore, we, we make our decisions, and we behave in a manner on, on things that we do know, based on what we know for fact and what is true. So living by faith is, living on, is based on what we do know and not on what we don't know. Now, I'm not saying that God's will doesn't have an, un, have an aspect of the unknown. Now, the results may be unknown. That is true. You, you'll never know the, the butterfly effect or the ripple effect that your actions are going to, going to take. You may not know what holds tomorrow, and you certainly can't control the actions of other people. But the unknown—that's the unknown aspect. But the unknown aspect of God's will is not God's will in and of itself, because God has clearly spoken to us. We just need to get in the Word and find out what that is. To learn about what that is. Now, going into this, um, into this this message this morning, God's will, which is about following through, we're going to go to the book of Joshua. And then we see a really good example of all the things that we've been talking about up until now in this, in this chapter, in chapter 3. But to kind of give, give an overview as far as where Joshua, where we're picking up Joshua in, in chapter 3, verses one, or chapters 1 and 2 are very important. Because what happens in, in, in chapter 1 is that God clearly speaks to Joshua. Verses 1 through 9 is like, is like a Joshua's own personal pep rally from God. He's given him encouraging words. Be strong and be very, create, very courageous. I am the one who's commanding you here. I am going to be with you like I was with Moses. Let not, the, not this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is in it. And then when you do that, you will be successful. You will be prosperous. I am going to be with you. So he got all of this encouragement from God in, in chapter 1. And then the second half of chapter 1 after, after being getting his own pepper, like God speaks to him directly and says, Look, you're going to go over Jordan and you're going to take this land that I have promised. That is what your task is. My question, has God spoken clearly to Joshua? Is it a mystery as to what Joshua is being called to do? No, it's not at all. It's very clear. You know, he, he's, um, he's, been, he's been promised that God will be with him. And even, even in the second, second half of, of the chapter there, and even going into the end, even his men are standing behind him. His officers are saying, whoever rebels against your command um, and does not heed your words in that command to him, he will be put to death. Only be strong and be very courageous. So he's got a very good situation here that he's going into. God's got his back. His people have got his back. He's got a clear instruction from God. Now what's the time to do? Let's follow through, right? It's time to take that step. It's time to start making some provisions to make it right. And so he sends the spies over into the, into the land. That's where Rahab hides them from the, uh, from, from the men. And, um, and where you give, that's whenever they give her the promise that if you, if you hang this thing in your window, we won't attack that house. But don't come outside because if that happens, then, you know, it's not on us. Then he comes back with the news to Joshua. says, truly the Lord has delivered this land into our hands, for indeed all of the inhabitants of the country, they are faint-hearted because of us. They know we're coming. It's not so much as what the children of Israel had done, is it? No, it's what they're hearing about their God. The children of Israel haven't done much of anything on their own, if anything at all. But they're afraid, and they're shaking in their boots because they're starting to move that direction, and they know that, that their land is next. And they are fearful. They're frightful because of this. You know, when I read that, I think that's just an amazing testimony to what God can do with His people. You know, I had to take a break here, and I was I was thinking, thinking to myself, you know, what would it be like if we had a if the community of Malvern looks at First Baptist and says, "That's an amazing thing that what God is doing there." If we, if, we, if we put ourselves in a position where God could get all the glory, he'd do some really amazing things in and through us into a point where only he could receive the glory. Say, look, there's no way that First Baptist Church could do that on their own. And God does that in many different ways. But now once we get to chapter 3, as, I, as we said before, it's very clear what the will of God for Joshua is to do. is to lead his people over the river Jordan and take over Jericho very clear but once we know what God's will is it's time to follow through but in order to follow through we're gonna have three different things that we need to observe when it comes to follow through we'll probably get through one today the first one is following through with God's will means you must be ready you gotta be ready alright do you get ready after he calls that's the question no. You need to be ready. See, God may, never, God, God may not call you into the ministry full-time, but I would say, be ready. You know, God may not, may not ask you and call you to be a teacher in Sunday school, but I would say, be ready. God may never call you overseas in the mission field, but I would say, be ready. You want to be ready. But even when God makes his calling clear, you want to be ready. There were no excuses from Joshua, according to what we can see from Scripture. He did not offer any excuses like like Moses did in the desert. Well, I can't do this, I can't speak well, I can't do this, I can't do that. Joshua was ready. He probably learned a lot from Moses. But we must be ready. Now, looking at verse one, verses 1 through 6, let's just read through this real quick, and then we'll come back. It says, Then Joshua rose early. He rose early in the morning, and they set, from, they set out from Acacia Grove, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits, which is about 3,000 feet and do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. And so they took the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Now the first thing I want us to see here is that Joshua was ready when God called. Because the very next morning, what did he do? He rose up early. We see the same example in Abraham. Whenever God called him to go and sacrifice his son Isaac, the very next phrase is that he woke up early the next morning. He started chopping his wood, saddling his donkeys, getting his two men ready, and they went on a journey, a three-day journey to Mount Moriah. And we see here that God has called Joshua to get ready to cross over the river Jordan. The question about this that I want to point out is, does, does Joshua know how they're going to get across? the river Jordan. Has that been made known to him at all? Absolutely not. He did not know how he was going to get across. Okay, actually the, the background picture that you see there, that is actually the, a picture of the river Jordan in its flood season, which is the same time that they're crossing, as you see in verse 15. So it's overflowing its banks, it's a big, it's a rushing river, it's not going to be an easy pass, they don't have a boat, they're not carrying canoes. They have no way to get across on their own ability, but yet, God is saying, get ready. And Joshua's like, all right, it's time to get ready. Now, what did Joshua command his people to do? Look at verse 3. It says and, he's, and then, and it says, and then he commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. This is a very good illustration of the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant was was the representation of the presence of God with his people. Okay? This was this was what this was what they looked to as the presence of God with his people. There's a strange thing about this. As we see the ark of the covenant is going out before the people. Now, what is strange about that? The ark of the covenant never went out before the people. It always traveled in the middle always this is the only case in the entire bible where we see the ark of the covenant leading out i don't know exactly what all of that means but what we can see here is what, and what we can draw, derive from this is that whenever you see god moving it'd be very wise for you to follow and when do we follow quite immediately he says whenever you see the priests and the levites and they've got the ark and you see them move it's time to get ready because in order to follow through God's will, what, what must we do? We've got to be ready. And, and Joshua was giving them a sign that they need to look for whenever you see the Ark of the Covenant heading towards the river, get there, get ready. But he also gave them a warning as well. He said to not do what? Don't get too close. All right? Don't try to run out in front of them. Don't try to get too fast. Don't try to get ahead of God in this, but stand back and follow because, because you need to see which way to go. I believe this is very true. We, whenever, we, whenever we are living our lives, we don't live our lives based on our own understanding. We lean on God's understanding. We acknowledge him in all of our ways, and then he will direct our paths. So what he's saying is, like, you need to watch where they go because this is going to give you the direction in which to walk. So don't run up on it, but be patient. Follow, stay behind, and see where to go. Because you have never done this before. This is the way in which you have never gone is what we see there. Now I want you to understand that is book, chapter, and verse against the person who says, we've never done it that way before. Right? And that, that may allow the very problem sometimes. Would you agree? He says, but I need you to follow them whenever you see them set out and they start going that direction, get out and get ready. At this point, does Joshua or the people have any idea how they're going to get across? No. Has God said build a boat and get across? Has God said build a bridge so you can get across? No. The only thing he's revealed to them so far is when you see the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priest, get ready and get ready to go. Now, what does Joshua instruct his people to do after this? In verse 5, he says to the people, "...sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you." Still, Joshua has no idea how they're getting across. All he knows is that God has promised him that, and told him and instructed him to get over the Jordan and go to Jericho and take over the land. Everywhere your foot will, will be placed, that land will be yours." That's the only thing that Joshua is, is resting on right now, is that God has made that promise to him, has revealed his will to him, and it is his duty and his obligation to God to follow through with that plan. Yet he still has no idea how to get across. It's not been made known. All we see is that God is leading as his representation through, the, through, the, um, through the, um, the Ark of the Covenant, and they're just supposed to be ready. But what he says here reveals that he has great expectations for God. He is expecting God to show up and show out. He's expecting God to make a provision. He's expecting God to do great and wonderful things among the people of God when they're obedient to what God says. Do we expect much from our God? Do we believe what His Word says? Can we trust Him enough to be obedient today, knowing that tomorrow he's going to do wonders among us. We might not understand what those wonders are. But, he, but, but what Joshua was saying, he, he doesn't really understand what's going to happen to this point yet. Now, it isn't revealed to him before it actually happens, but at this point, he is getting everybody ready. He's telling these people, get to your homes, sanctify yourselves, set yourself apart, get ready. Because tomorrow, God is going to do some wonderful things. I don't know what they are yet, but I know we're getting across there. Just be ready. Something's going to happen in order for us to get across. Do we have any expectations? Is it right to have expectations about God? I believe it is right when it's according to his promises. When we meet the condition of the promise, you can hang your hat on the fact that God's going to be faithful with his part. He is going to come through with his part. God is faithful and he cannot lie. So whenever we step out in obedience, do we expect God to do his part? Whenever we as a church are called to be the the evangelists of this world, to preach the name of Jesus Christ, are we expecting God to step in and do his part in convicting the soul with the Holy Spirit and drawing people to him through the gospel? Are we expecting God to do things? I am going to point something out, though I was kind of reluctant to bring this up. But however, it's something that we've all experienced and it's something that happened very recently that I would like to point out. You know, I gave, you, I gave us all a challenge a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, didn't I? To pass out cards and invite people to church. That's all I wanted you to do. That's, all, that's, all we, that's, all, that's the task that I was laying before you. You can say, look, I was Joshua telling the people to pass out cards. Okay, let's we'll just go with that, go with that scenario. Pass out cards. And we should have had about 500 to 600, maybe 700 cards passing out. I said, just invite people to church. Just invite people to church, and what we'll do is we'll make an evangelistic event for that next Sunday morning, and I will preach the gospel. I'll preach something that is geared towards people who don't know know Christ, and I will preach the gospel, and we'll pray that God will bring those people to him. Next following Sunday, and I'm not saying that nobody passed out their cards. I'm not saying that all of them didn't get passed out, but what I did see was almost a record low in our attendance the next week now I'm not putting on anything some people cannot be here some people are out of town I I get that but does that show a great anticipation for God's wonderful works that's the question are we really expecting God are we trusting God that he is going to show up and do wonderful works whenever we step out in faith and do what he calls us to do Are we expecting that? We see that Joshua, he's telling these people, look, whenever you see it happen, just get ready. I don't know how it's going to happen, but get ready. I know that God has said that we need to get ready to cross. So when you see the Ark of the Covenant, just get ready. God's going to do wonders among you. Step out in faith and get ready to go over this river. Sanctify yourselves, for the Lord will do wonders among you. If we're going to follow through with God's will, We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. We see here in verse 6, then Jesus spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant. It's time. It's time to do it. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. And so they took the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. They followed through. The word came to Joshua. Joshua brought the word to the people. Joshua brought the word to the priests. He said, sanctify yourselves. Get ready. He spoke to the priest. He says, all right, it's time to go. And they went. And the people followed. And now, where are they? They're waiting to see what the next step is. To see what the next revealed portion of God's will is going to be. Are they going to step out in faith? Are they going to cross the River Jordan? How are they going to get across I don't know. We'll have to wait till next week and we'll find out. There are two more points to this as far as, what th- but, but as far as what follow through is. But this morning, I really want us to prayerfully consider, are we ready? Are we expecting God to do great things? Are we ready when God calls us? Are we ready for growth in our church? Are we ready to do what God has called us to do? Are we, are we going to be willing whenever he calls us to whatever that might be? During this time of invitation, as our musicians come forward, ask yourself the question. Will you be willing? Will you be ready? Are you listening to the voice of God? And I pray that this week, I'm going to instruct you the way that Joshua instructed the people of Israel. Be ready and sanctify yourselves. Set yourself apart. Commit to doing God's will for tomorrow I believe God can do wonderful things around us. But we've got to do our part. We've got to make that step in obedience. And I believe that when we do, that God will do wonders among us. Will he do wonders among the children of Israel like like Joshua promised? Come back next week and we'll continue. But I think that they're on the right track because they are positioning themselves in obedience to what God has already revealed because they were ready. Let's stand, let's pray and have a hymn of invitation.